I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, man, we have a lot of stuff we have to cover today. Still working on that speakership. Still working on that speaker race. Uh, and there's a lot, been a lot of new developments there that we're going to talk about. Of course, you know, they, if you crystallize it down, it's all about Ukraine funding at this point. And it's something I've been saying since since the very, very, very beginning. And uh, we got a call already. And uh, I'm going to be, you know, before we get started here, I'm just going to go ahead and take this call. Uh, caller, you're on the air. Scott, you just had me splitting a gut yesterday when you, you had that Greta's quotes about the vegan grenades. Yeah. I, I I was, you know, if you were doing skits, I mean, Sarge, Sarge, we're being overrun and we're out of vegan grenades. What do we do? Or our solar air force won't get off the ground for another. <laughs> if there's another day of cloudiness, well, what, do, how do, what do we do? And then uh, how about this? Hamas is holding some endangered species. We cannot send a, our artillery barrage in there because of these endangered species that are there. It's just hilarious. What? I mean, <laughs> What do you do with people like that? It's crazy. Uh, the, the, and they're the ones with, that are most funded, leading the world. They're the ones getting rich off of that dialogue. It happens. It's happening in the world. Uh, if you if you sow the seeds of crazy and you carry the water for the globalist and World Economic Forum, there's a method to this. It's all about delusion, chaos, confusion, indoctrination, and destruction of the traditional values that we currently have in place um, so that we don't have any identity, we don't have any allegiance, we don't have any borders, we don't have anything to defend. And it's all part of a one-world system where there aren't, you know, A and B or positive and minus or, you know, there's not no polarization. It's all one unit underneath you know, the bodies of the World Economic Forum, the WHO, the UN, the IMF, and all of these lords and elites that 
uh, seem to hobnob around Europe. Yeah, yeah. There, there's an old uh, Greek saying that went like, "Those who the, wish the gods, the gods wish to destroy, they first take away reason." And I think well, we're there, well, and so. the reason why under COVID they attacked Christianity like they did was because. You know, if you were to ask any man, right, or any woman, you know, uh, that's a Christian woman or a Christian man, they would say, okay, what are your top three things? And it's like God, family, or family, God, however the order, and country, right? And so um, Trump, what does Trump bring to the table? Trump brings pride of country. And he keeps, he always hugs the flag, and he says, he always uh, throws respect to God, and he, he's a faithful man, and he basically says God and country and family, and America First is all about that. America First is basically saying to any other country, and he said this at the UN, he said, take care of your family first. And this is what Candace Owens uh, really got, became famous for recently, too. I mean, she was in the news saying, you know, that we can't afford to take care of if you have a family and they're they're not able to put on shoes, the last thing you should be thinking about is how to shoe the family, your neighbor's family. You got to shoe your own family first. You got to provide clothing and shelter, and 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 warmth and comfort and love and teaching to your own family first. Then, once you're strong enough and and able, you can help your neighbors. But you got to help. You got to fix your problems first. If you go to Philadelphia, I know you're from the Philly area, and you go into Kensington, it's zombie land there. It's nothing but a heroin addict city, and it's made the news. It's made worldwide news. It's an embarrassment that we give all of our riches to countries like Ukraine, so that politicians like Lindsey Graham can get it back in their pocket through a Washington lobbyist. And that's really what's happening because every time we donate money to these entities, these countries, it comes with strings attached. And someone like Anthony Blinken says, well, you're going to have to work with the Carlyle Group on this one. You're going to have to work with my company, West Exec, or you're going to have to work with Albright Stonebridge. You're going to have to work with these companies or you won't get the money. And you're going to have to fire that prosecutor and you're going to have to lay off a Burisma and, it, and then we'll give you the billion dollars, right? So we'll give you that money, but then you got to do some of the guarantees uh, yourself. And that's, in essence, going to make all of my cronies and all of my family rich. That's the business that's going on in Israel, Hamas, Ukraine, China, Taiwan, you know, the whole thing. And everywhere they make a problem, they stamp it out with a kickback and a money laundering scheme. That's why Pelosi went over to Taiwan when she did. And then all of a sudden, congressional aid went to Taiwan. It happens all over the world, all the time. It's happening with the cartels, with the open borders. It's happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, because I, well, let me just tell you my opinion and see what you think. We would not have the kind of drug problem in this country that we have, except that there are some people infiltrated very tops of some of these organizations like the FBI or the CIA that, uh, oh, that are controlling how much comes in here. Yeah, they're, they're doing it all. They are working hand in glove 
with the cartels. MS-13 was an enforcement agency. Just uh, They were basically a mercenary enforcement uh, agency, uh, just like the Chinese police stations that we found in, in New York City, just like ISIS was a mercenary group protecting the oil fields out of Iraq. These groups that we so-called cartels and terrorists, there's no difference between a mercenary for gun for hire, a terrorist, or a cartel guy. There's no difference. Um, they're all the same. They're all paid uh, enforcement. They're paid strongmen with guns to enforce. And with the cartels and, and all these other things, the fentanyl, um, this is all part of the black market trade system. It's, and again, I've said it a thousand times, it's, it's drugs, it's, it's energy, it is weapons, and it is uh, human trafficking, slave labor. And everybody gets a piece out of that. It's cor- either corporate slave labor, sex trafficking slave labor, it's um, cheap slave labor, you know, like uh, where you, you, know, you have every Uber driver or Lyft is a cheap guy or someone's, someone's going to work in that meatpacking meat plant or work in the hot sun or build the building. You know, every, that's why everybody that's on a construction site doesn't speak English because they're, they're not even legal. But they're cheap and the builders, the big builders that are making billions of dollars off these buildings that they're building. They don't care about these people that are risking their lives and limbs every single day, working in 90-degree heat, you know, sweating in the sun. Because, you know, this soy boy college student that's uh, hooked on LGBTQ uh, equity uh, from Harvard is never going to take that job, even if that job paid more than the job that they're being offered for the skills they don't have. And that's yeah, the problem yeah. is these liberal arts uh, students, they don't, they're not equipped for, the, for, for working in the world, and they're afraid to get their hands dirty. And this is why there's exactly. been a real reversal on the attack on Ivy League schools because they've just gone way off the reservation. You know, they've gone way off the deep end. They're not even taken seriously anymore. Well, hey, thanks for calling in. I know I did most of the talking, but... Uh, hey, well, uh, keep keep lobbing those vegan grenades. We'll get them one day. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, she was funny. I, I just can't believe that people take her seriously. And and then she got this uh, honorary graduate degree from Finland. I'm like, give me a break. Anyway, yeah. thanks College for calling. degree means nothing. Yeah. All right, yeah. take care. Bye. All right. Wow. We've got an early caller there. Um all right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, change the system back over so it doesn't interrupt us. All right, um, <clears throat> Trump was uh, in New York uh, yesterday uh, for this stupid trial, and uh, they're just trying to ruin him financially. They're trying to—it's a political persecution, folks. It's a political persecution. Um, but here we are, and we're dealing with it. And I'm going to go ahead and play this clip because it covers two subjects. Trump, so efficient. Uh, and he was up in New Hampshire uh, the day before giving a speech and blah, blah, blah. He's a rock star. Way ahead in the polls. And he's leading in every battleground state over Biden. And they are scared, completely scared. And they're acting like fools. But here we are. So Trump is asked about Tom Emmer's. And I mentioned yesterday Emmers was the front runner, but Emmers kind of stinks, you know. So 
Um, Emmers is basically all the way Ukraine. And then I got something else to offer you, something about Byron Donalds. He came out and said, I oppose all funding to Ukraine. And as soon as he said that, he got enough people because remember I told you that Matt Gates was talking about Byron Donalds, uh, you know, saying saying yes to CR deals, and mainly that involved funding for these wars, which is all about money laundering and money back into these politicians who are bought. And so you got a lot of Republicans who are bought, and they won't vote for someone like Jim Jordan or T- Donald Trump because he would. These people would not fund Ukraine, but they liked Scalise and they liked Mark McCarthy and they like Emmers and they like some others because they will fund Ukraine. They're Ukraine pigeons or stool, fools. Um, and they're just there. So they'll just keep rubber stamping money to Ukraine because that's. So, so long as that's the case, you're going to have this divide within the Republican Party. And so Byron Donalds was going to get, you know, the votes, but then he does these CR deals, these package deals, which ends up funding Ukraine. And people are just fed up with Ukraine. And it is true that the Israel, Israeli-Hamas conflict put an end to Ukraine-Russia. Nobody's talking about Ukraine-Russia anymore. And Zelensky's crying right now on his desk, in his billion-dollar desk. You know, you got this uh, general that left Ukraine with a billion dollars, and Zelensky admitted it? Left with a billion dollars, is on the run, I guess. And where did he get the billion, though? I mean, why are we not having any auditing going on? Where is this money going? What Washingtonian lobby groups and PR firms are in play right now. Who's behind all those green screens and lighting productions up in Ukraine to propagandize a war? And we know it was done. It was done by Americans, too. And I told you yesterday about Hugo Boss being the Nazi uh, uh, tailor and how the Klitschko was, 20 years ago, wearing Hugo Boss boxing trunks when they were boxers. And now they're the mayor of Kiev and stuff like that. Now they're connected with the Nazis through and through. So Ukraine is cooked. That war is over. Russia won. And that's why a lot of people in the State Department that supported uh, endless funding to Ukraine and all this money laundering and all this BS and was poking the uh, bear, you know, saying Putin bad, Putin bad, Putin bad, Putin evil. Well, Putin is at least standing up for Christian values. And... um, but the thing is, is that they were angry when Matt Gates did what he did. I was jubilant about it because I knew exactly what Matt Gates was up to. He was stirring the pot, and he was basically putting an end to this, this monkey race of laundering out of Ukraine and called him out and exposed it for what it was. And that's what this speakership thing is all about. I can't say it enough. I can't stress it enough. If we could only know the truth, you know, like that... Jim Carrey movie where, you know, um, the guy just told the truth, how, how awkward the world would be if everybody just said exactly what they were thinking at the moment that they were thinking it. It's like, you're fat. <laughs> you know, you're ugly. <laughs> I don't like you. You're an asshole. You know, like that kind of thing. It'd be terrible, right? I mean, all, you, keep your th- <laughs> you keep those, you talk about things you shouldn't be talking about. 
Well, if that were the case, if we had 100% transparency, that would be such a great thing to expose Congress for the frauds that they are. I would love it if that we could just, you know, if there was like a little switch. You could just turn it on for just just one day and, and give us the honest truth. Oh, that would be beautiful. Um, but in any case, uh, be careful what you wish for. You just might get it right. Um, anyway, Trump comes out. And he's talking about Emmers. And as soon as he said no to Emmers, it was game over for Emmers. They were pushing Emmers, man. They wanted Emmers to be there because he was going to green light funding the Ukraine and Israel and the money was keep on rolling in. Now, Lindsey Graham's over in the Middle East trying to figure out how to get that laundering money repositioned from Ukraine over into the Middle East, and he's down in Saudi Arabia, no less, where all the money is. They're building that trillion-dollar line building project. That's a 15-minute city on steroids right there, buddy. I don't know, man. It's a it's a, it's a mess, this world, but... All right, so here we go, and we got Lindsey Graham working out a new money laundering contract with new strings. Generally speaking, though, the Carlisle Group handles the Middle East, and it's the Blinken West exec company in, in Stone, Albright Stonebridge that handles the Ukraine jobs, you know. So we'll see what happens. But maybe the lobbyist groups are going to, like, resign from West Exec and get over on... They're, they're all part of the State Department anyway. The State Department is a cesspool of corrupt individuals that use the CIA to kill off their enemies and use USAID to finance and buy out the rest. We'll give you this money from USAID or we'll get the CIA to kill you. Which choice do you want? Do you want the money to cooperate? We'll pay you? Or do you want to be murdered? Um, either way, that's what the State Department's diplomacy has become. And we're supposed to be better than the other guys. That's why there talk, there's talk about, uh, I guess the Rolling Stones said something to the effect, if Trump gets to be president, he's going to get out of the UN and NATO. And why not? They're the enemy of America. And they're a cesspool of corruption themselves. They're socialist, radical globalists, which is nothing but corruption. A bunch of lies and deceptions. They unleashed a bioweapon called COVID, and they're unleashing another weapon called climate scam, climate hoax. It's all a hoax, folks. All right, let's get started with this show because we're late. All right, so we're going to get to Donald Trump, and he's going to talk about not only Emmers, which immediately game over for Emmers. It just tells you, tells you the, the, the coattails and the strength and the power of Trump in the Republican Party. He is bigger than the party at this point. And when he says he rejects Emmers, you best believe it's done. Because nobody's going to want to touch that with a two-foot pole. Because congressmen, guess what? They got to get elected every two years. And as soon as they... Stab Trump in the back. Their 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 career as a politician and their their benefits of money laundering in Washington are over. Okay, all right. And then that's number one in this clip. And then the other part that you want to pay attention to in this clip is what he says about Jenna Ellis, who folded like a cheap suit, 
And there's a systematic thing that's going on here down in Georgia about all these plea arrangements, these plea deals. So he's got Michael Cohen up in New York. <laughs> then he's got these plea deals uh, where everybody's copping a plea. And they're basically trying to get everybody to, I guess Mark Meadows took a plea. And they're basically trying to get Trump. And so what they did was they brought in the racketeering RICO thing to get everybody involved. Then they offered everybody but Trump a plea deal. And they're trying to get everybody to do something that they otherwise wouldn't think to do to get Trump. They're, they're basically trying to say, we'll give you a plea deal if you testify in a way that helps us get Trump. That's, that's pure and simple evil. It's unbelievable how much the left hates Trump. And there was a time when they used to say that they don't fear Trump. And then they lie all the time about Trump. And we're going to play an audio clip that's going to be proving that right. So let's take a listen to what Trump has to say about Emmers and about Jenna Ellis's plea deal. He's not worried a bit. Mr. President, are you concerned about Jenna Ellis' plea deal? No, don't know anything about it. Don't know anything. We're totally innocent of everything. That's political persecution. What about Tom Emmer being? She was a big, she was a big, big fan of that. And in order to do something, I guess she made a deal. It's too bad to see it, but no, not at all. And Tom Emmer, it looks like he's finished. Looks like he's finished. He was not a supporter. Maybe he's a rhino. And it looks like he's finished, but we'll see. You never know. You do, you never support, know. do you support anyone else for speaker, sir? Uh, I'll let you know. I'll let you know. And the trial is going, as you can see, extremely well. Thank you very much. Shouldn't be a trial. It shouldn't be a trial. It's called election interference. It should not be a trial. Thank you very much. I got to tell you, man, I, I don't know where he gets his courage and his wisdom and his, uh, I just, uh, it's unbelievable. I, I don't think I could, I, I could do, I just don't think I could do it like he does it. I, I think he's a one of a kind, one, once in a lifetime he is a once-in-a-lifetime candidate. He is a one-in-a-million situation. And because I just said that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, play some audio clips out of sync. I had these for later in the show. I'm going to go ahead and play this Tucker Carlson clip now because it, it's, it's very much in line with what a... I want to say, badass, he is, an, he is just an unbelievable dude, Trump. And uh, my goodness, I don't know how he does it. I frankly don't. But here, here's something very wise that Tucker said back in July, and I just thought you needed to hear it. I, you know, I think looking back on this 10 years from now, assuming we're still around, uh, I think we're going to see Trump's emergence as, as the most significant thing to happen in American politics in 100 years because he reoriented the Republican Party. Um, against the wishes of Republican leaders. Uh, but when I think about Trump right now, so it's July of 2023, you know, I'm struck by his foreign policy views. You know, Trump is the only person um, with stature in the Republican Party, really, who's saying, wait a second, you know, why are we supporting an endless war in Ukraine? 
all I can say at this point is I'm so grateful that he has that position. He's right. And everyone in Washington's wrong. Everyone. Mm. And Trump is right on that question. And it's a big question. That war is reshaping the world. It's reshaping the economy of the world. It's reshaping populations. The ref- I mean, I was just in Romania last week, you know, which is, of course, shares a border with Ukraine. The, the refugees in that region, the number of people killed in that war, I mean, Europe will never be the same because of this war. And it really matters. And Trump alone among popular figures in both parties understands that. And I'm grateful for it. Whether he gets the nomination or gets elected, you know, words really matter. Saying something true out loud matters. And he is saying true things about Ukraine and God bless him. That's how I feel. Yeah. God bless Donald Trump for sure. Um, That to me was powerful. And I'm going to play this clip too out of line. Uh, It's out of sync from the way I plan this show. But I'm going to do it because uh, I wanted you also to hear these lies, these these lies. Now here is this um, this Nicole Nicole Wallace. Guess what? She used to be the campaign advisor for John McCain. He, she, and Schmidt. This guy Schmidt, who's part of the Lincoln Project. They these John McCain uh, advisors were the biggest. Slime balls, and they hate the Republican Party. They're Democrats. And this is why, I mean, John McCain was, I think he was from like Oregon or somewhere, Washington State. He was a, he was a libtard. And he was poor in his class in Navy or whatever. He was bottom of the class, bottom of the barrel, uh, kept on crashing all the time, uh, his planes. He wasn't qualified really to do what he was doing. And he married into money, Arizona money. And he ran as a Republican because he knew his views wouldn't sell. He was smart enough to know that. But John McCain became a war hawk, and he was a corrupt politician. And he, his best partner was Lindsey Graham, who now John McCain's past. Lindsey Graham is the heir apparent, thinks he's a big shot, thinks he's a boss, thinks he's a mobster. You should see Lindsey Graham like behind closed doors. Drinking uh, excessively, um, piggish, uh, bossy, full of himself, um, just like a mobster. He is not this hokey guy that people think he is. And and Menendez is the same way. And the Senate is just a cesspool of rhinoism and and corruption as well. That we are Washington, I don't think Washington is repairable at this point. Unless we change some fundamental rules and get corporate monies out of the political politics, uh, the politicians' pockets, that's a lot of uh, um, peas. Um, until we, alliteration, that's a lot of alliteration right there. Um, but until we get that done and until we end globalism, and until we get corporate money out of politics and until we set limits on spending and until we um, get a balanced budget, and, you know, we're never going to get these things done. And we have to get serious about policy. The only person that can do it, for better or for worse, is, is Donald Trump. Otherwise, we're lost as a country. We're an open border European country without, all, without any of the benefits of Europe, by the way. Because we are this melting pot of slum. We're going to end up more like 
Kensington, Philadelphia, rather than Rittenhouse, Philadelphia. It's not going to be a utopia for the middle class. That's for sure. And when I say Kensington, Philadelphia, it's a dump. And when I say Rittenhouse, it's the ritzy area of Center City in Philly, for those who don't know. So Nicole Wallace has on, I don't know who this woman is, but she's got Andrew Weissman, who was the attack dog for the Mueller witch hunt against Trump, President Trump, when Trump was president. And he's got the, uh, the FBI, Peter Strzok, <laughs> on as guests. And this is what she has to say. Unbelievable that she has the nerve to say that what's happening in the world today would be a lot worse if Trump was president. Can you believe she said that? Trump, who can go down in history as saying he was a president with no wars when every president around him, whether it's the Bushes, the Obamas, or the Bidens, were in unbelievable, endless money laundering scheme wars, not even serious wars, corrupt wars that were basically designed to print money, stimulate the world's economy, cause inflation, which is a theft from the middle class, and the body count be damned because they don't care about the loss of life along the southern border, on the battlefront. They don't care about the journalists who got their heads beheaded. They don't care about any of that. They don't care about the people that were dying from their bioweapon. They don't care about the people that are starving because they want to uh, control your agriculture and their seeds and your, your fertilizer plants and all of this other stuff. They don't care about it. It's sick. These people are worse than Hitler. And most of them in Europe that are connected... Their ancestry is part of Hitler. We've never learned our lesson over there. We thought we did. We didn't. I am interested in what Liz Cheney says, Mary, but I'm more interested in when she says it. And it was interesting to me that she was out yesterday. I mean, she it's the first time she's spoken since Trump celebrated Hezbollah, called them, quote, very smart. Um, it's the first time she's sort of made an appearance since some of this new reporting has come out, John Carl had some of it, and, and we had it here here um, when that first broke. Um, and it's the first time that I think a broad coalition of Americans realizes that if Donald Trump were president right now, the world would be a much, much more dangerous place with the Middle East on a, on a hair trigger, um, with threats of violence at home, with Jewish American communities, with Muslim American communities terrified right now. The country probably couldn't handle a Trump presidency, wherein his own chief of staff described him as, quote, the most damaged human being he'd ever seen. And a couple of defense secretaries were out the door for cause, for things they saw that gave them concern about U.S. national security. How do you assess this moment, again, about 12 months ahead of another presidential election? Objection, leading the witness, (laughs) right? (laughs) She's just leading the witness. We can't listen to any more of that uh, because I think... uh, Next thing you know, Andrew Weissman and all these smart Trump haters from the left, radical left, who did everything. I mean, they begged, borrowed, and stealed, stolen, right? I mean, Peter Strzok cheated on his wife with Lisa Page, started the Russian hoax, and said, we're going to take out these people, trash the people that Walmart, you could just smell them, 
Remember that? You could smell MAGA country in the Walmart. And we're going to stop it, right? I mean, this is Peter Strzok lying through his teeth about everything that he did. I mean, it's unbelievable. You got the Mueller report. What's a Fusion GPS? Who's Glenn Simpson? I mean, give me a break. It's these fraudsters. This is why MSNBC should be, they should get a fact check remark put on there. Uh, Not the other way around. And in fact, um, I guess there was the New York Times got their blue check removed and got a little Pinocchio uh, from Twitter. And it was kind of a funny thing that was going around. It was short lived. But in any case, the New York Times is being called out and corrected. And uh, thanks to uh, Twitter. And again, I said it's interesting where Elon Musk finds himself because he's very he takes very personally censorship and he thinks it's he thinks it's a bad thing, right? Censorship. So he's on record with that. And you know, and then he's also against depopulation because less people, less car sales, right? He's against 15-minute cities because you know, because if you get into a 15-minute city, the last thing you need is a car, right? I mean, when I lived in New York City and I lived in Philly, I didn't need a car to save my life. So You know, the thing is, is that what I'm saying is, is that these things that are in line with the climate change, in part, do not help Elon Musk sell cars. But the one thing he's dependent upon is climate change because he needs to ban fossil fuels and combustible engines, combustion engines, and he needs to promote electric vehicles. And so for that, he's on board. And so he's in a strange paradigm right now, Elon Musk. And I think it's fascinating, frankly. So former Ukraine, I'm just going to go through some of the news clips we have. Former Ukraine Defense Minister uh, Alexei Rezignov allegedly stole $1 billion before fleeing the country. (laughs) That's just a, a little factoid right there. All right. Texas Ken Paxton, AG Ken Paxton, is suing the Biden administration for removing razor wire placed at the Texas southern border to avert illegal immigration. Why in the world would Biden's uh, remove the razor wire? Oh, because it's hurting the people. We're human humanity. Um, nah. According to FBI statistics in 2022, 1,590 hate crimes were reported. 51.4% were against Jews, 9.6% were against Muslims, and 39% were against Christians. Can someone please explain to me why the press secretary went on national TV and said that everyone is very concerned about a violent violence against Muslims in this country when clearly the numbers reflect that the exact opposite? <laughs> um, an audit of the 2022 primary election in Harris County, Texas, shows that the count had at least 14 mobile ballot boxes that did not have proper chain of custody records for 184,999 votes. That was in Harris County. All right. Then we got former President Trump. Okay, so President Trump 
has called for the arrest of Rashida Tlaib for inciting an insurrection at the U.S. Capitol last week. Let's see how that works out, right? Two standards of justice. Almost half of, them, half of Democrat voters say that it is very likely or somewhat likely. Almost half of Democrat voters say that it's likely, very likely or somewhat likely that cheating uh, affected the outcome of the 2020 election, according to a new Rasmussen survey. Yet still, in Georgia, everybody's pleading at, at making a plea deal about no crime about basically pursuing, prosecuting what they perceived to be election fraud at the time. And, of course, it was election fraud in Georgia. Former President Trump is leading Biden in swing states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, North Carolina. For, oh, so President Trump is leading Biden in swing states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Northern, North Carolina, Arizona, and Georgia, according to a new, new poll by Bloomberg. And Washington Post has Trump up 52% to Biden's 42%. And he's reached over the 50 percentile mark. 75% say Bidenomics not working. Trump, 20-point lead among under 35 fivers. 77% disapprove of border crisis. Uh, So, you know, Biden's underwater in every way that you can shake it. So Patrick Webb writes, breaking, ex-chief of staff Mark Meadows has been granted immunity. Why would he be granted immunity in Georgia? Tell special counsel he warned Trump about 2020 claims, says the election was sto- wasn't stolen. Wow. So folding like a cheap suit. That's Jim Jordan's best buddy in Congress back, when, back in the day. So I don't know, man. You just don't know. So here, Brandon Straka, uh, he's a gay Republican, and uh, you know he was persecuted as well for J6 and some other things, and he wasn't even there. He didn't even walk in the building. But um, And he used to be a Democrat, and he was trying to pull people over to the Republican side. And, um, and then, of course, they made him like enemy number one. <clears throat> he wrote this piece, and I'm going to read it to you. The plea deal... The, the, plea, the plea deal system must be abolished. Okay, so I think he's talking about this in reaction to Mark Meadows and some others. Jenna Ellis um, also. Um, this is how evil, corrupt prosecutors are getting in, innocent people to plead guilty in their lunatic pursuit to get Donald Trump. Jenna Ellis is not guilty. None of this, or or Mark Meadows for that matter, not, none of this would be happening if these prosecutors were forced to prove their cases and not abuse the law by hideously overcharging people to the point of overwhelming them financially, emotionally, and practically, then saying, all of this goes away if you just plead guilty and apologize publicly for a wrongdoing that we're making up. Right? I mean, that's exactly what's happening right there, right? The media, which once existed to challenge the establishment but is now the voice of the establishment, is 100% complicit in all of this. I don't believe for a second that any of these people are flipping on Trump because the media says so. What the media wants more than anything is to destroy conservative America. They want to orchestrate divisions, sue 
sow mistrust, cause people to turn on other people and destroy people's lives. They have only one job, aid and abet. Uh, they have only one job, aid and abet the evil dealings of the Democrat Party. Don't fall for any of their lies and their narratives. Okay, that is a very powerful position and, and statement. And I will say this about that. Um, that's exactly what's going on. But why Trump didn't seem to be too concerned about Jenna Ellis or what's going on in Georgia is, A, he, he's able to compartmentalize. Right now he's dealing with New York. Then he'll deal with Georgia. It's number one. Number two, though, is there's more to it. Um, they're going to have to say that Trump ordered him to, you know, they have a fiduciary duty to abide by the law. They're lawyers. They're, they're officers of the court. They need to tell their client. Their client doesn't need to know anything. They have to be the ones that do the right things. And they made statements clearly. Jenna Ellis was standing there with Rudy Giuliani on many occasions advancing election fraud. She can't now make a plea deal. It's not going to be believable. And so Trump's going to have a field day on this using their own words against them now that they've flip-flopped to make a deal, to cut a deal. And exactly what Brandon Straka just said is exactly what's happening. And I think that any jury worth their weight in salt is going to realize that. And that even if Trump were to be found guilty at the lower court because of all this pleading, it's never going to cut past the muster at the appeal uh, at the appeals level, especially because I think it's Circuit Court 11. It's a conservative court uh, that, that Georgia has to answer to for the appeals court. So I don't think Trump's going to have too big of a problem. Plus, by the time it gets to the appeals court and by the time all these 19 cases uh, fulfill themselves, it's going to be well into, uh, it's just going to be a long way down the road. It's going to be, Trump's going to win the presidency, hopefully, in 2024. And this is all just a, a, a charade. And what they're trying and hoping for is to escalate and and ante up all this rhetoric so much that they can win a, win a public opinion case to take him off the ballot. That's really what this is all about, is we can't let Trump get on the ballot. As soon as he gets on the ballot, it's game over for the Democrats. But we have other problems in this country. I follow the real estate market and the auto market um, because I think those are key, chief indicators of how healthy the economy is doing. And it's a mess. But one of the things I've noticed, too, is this, this guy, I followed this guy he's, uh, called uh, Side Money Tom on YouTube. I love his show, his uh, YouTube show. And he's, uh, he says, we are lied to about inflation. He says, Costco inflation tour. So he has prices from like the summer and prices from like two years ago or prices from a year ago. And then he shows them while he's walking through the store. And the inflation is not 3.8 or 4%. For everything you buy that you need every single day, whether it's gas or whether it's oil or whether it's to heat your home or gas for your car or anything, you know, butter, uh, flour, you know, you name it. Uh, those are the things that are up like 80%. They're sometimes tripled in price. So, you know, this is a long tour he gives. But I'm going to play the opening for it for you, and 
this, this is unbelievable. I'm here at Costco today. I'm gonna take you guys inside. We're gonna have a look at some of these items that I'm seeing up to close to 100% inflation on. So I started noticing over the last year or so, 100% a lot inflation. of these products that we used to buy at Costco now have almost doubled in price. And a lot of them used to be a good deal because I would buy them in bulk. But nowadays, it doesn't even make sense to buy them in bulk. So this Costco oil right here used to be a really good deal. I was actually buying it for, I was actually buying it for about 25 bucks and this comes with 10 quarts. So it really blew the other stuff out of the water. Like the mobile one, I was able to buy five quarts for $22.99, something like that, the old days of Walmart. But that stuff, when it came out, it was such a good deal. But now it's up about $14 and that's in less than two years. It's quite the difference. Well, these avocados right here, they were $6.79 for six So that's a small one, right? He goes through and he goes through every area of the store. And in some cases, there was triple the price. Triple what it used to be. Now think about it. If you're, if you're struggling, if you have a mortgage, even if you got that great 3.5% interest rate mortgage, and, but you were, you, know, you were on a tight budget, right? Kitchen table budget. And next thing you know, you, you have these prices going up like this. Uh, that's an extra $500 a month that you don't have. Um, this is the Bidenomics. What people are feeling and what's being reported by the Fed or by the, you know, uh, there's a big number that's going to be coming out today, and that's housing uh, sales um, volume, I think, uh, is a report that's coming out today, a new uh, set of data for September, for September sales. August was down. So uh, in terms of uh, the volume of housing sales, like the lowest in 20 years or something. And um, so there's going to be some new housing numbers today that are going to be indicators. So it's crazy. All right. I got this Troy Nels clip. I love Troy Nels, where he is with the Trump speakership. Uh, we're going to have to get to this here. So I, I went out of order a little bit, but I wanted to cover... I wanted to get a lot of those little um, house cleaning items out of the way because we always seem to miss those running out of time. Um, but I want to listen to Troy. I want you to listen to Troy Nels now. I voted present. So you got to understand, you go through the alphabet. You start at A and you move your way forward through the alphabet. By the time it got to the letter N, uh, I voted present. I think there were four others, maybe five others. At that point in time, we already had upwards of 20 uh, that said that they could not support uh, Tom Emmer for speaker. And this was a roll call vote. This was no, you know, secret ballot. This was everybody having the stand. Uh, in Indiana, I think there were maybe 28 or so that stated they're going to choose someone else other than Tom Emmer. I think Johnson had some. I think uh, Jim Jordan had the most with about 12 or 15. So this is, this is, we are again back to where we started. This is where we're at. So now you had eight willing to, to step up and try to provide that leadership, and uh, we're not there. So now what are we going to do? We're going to find another round. Let's go into the, the third round of draft choices, right, and find people willing to do this again. I don't know. Is it not the case that Mr. If he wants to go to the floor, he can go to the floor. Uh, if we go to the floor, you know what I'm doing. I mean, that's no mistake. I'll be nominating Donald J. Trump. So you're, you would definitely not vote for Mr. Emmer. I will be going. I told Tom Emmer, 
I won't be the one that would tank him, right? If he get to 216, he could probably have me at 217. But when it gets to my name, and there's 10, 12, 15, I think, I think Donald Trump is their answer. Why is there so much opposition to at this point? I don't know. I mean, he, uh, obviously, he's, uh, uh, people are talking. He's had some issues uh, with the former president. I think some of the comments that he's made in the past, uh, I'm not going to get specific, but I think it's causing him some problems today. Why am I opposing him? I didn't oppose him. I just said there's no way. I don't see how he gets 217. I just don't. 216. How's he going to do it? If anybody out here, you got an answer to that, folks? So you You've got 20 something out there. What? You don't see anybody either changing their minds? Well, I, you, usually you change your mind when you go from a secret ballot to a roll call. The roll call, there were like 28 that said either no, someone else, present. How are you going to dwindle that down to four or five? Well, I kind of like the idea of Donald J. Trump, quite honestly. He's the leader of our party. I've said that from the beginning. I'll continue to say it. We threw our all-stars out now. The top three we had with the speaker, with the majority leader, with uh, Jim Jordan. Now we've got eight others, great candidates, Mike Johnson, all these others. Now listen up. And we've this is uh, those. where I think is, it gets I mean, important. What are we going to do? Go down and just put everybody in the damn hat? Maybe for the first time in the history of our conference, we should consider somebody from the outside. A hundred days. And I'll suggest it if we go to the House floor for a vote, that it, it is our leader, Donald J. Trump, for 100 days. 100 days. I told That's the president, the you may have to adjust your golf schedule, your golf game, because we'll be busy. But I think he would be willing to do it for 100 days. <coughs> so are you planning on staying in With his relationship with him, I'm not going to discuss with you what I talked about with President Trump other than my idea to put him up here for 100 days. So are you all planning on just staying? So 100 days, that to me is the interesting component to that. Why wouldn't anybody, you know, that's 100 days of Trump. Let's see what he can do. Why not? Because they're corrupt and it'll put an end to the business relationships they have with the lobbyists that promise the funding. Well, we got a caller um, we're, and we're at the end of the show. But, caller, you're on the air. Good morning, Scott. I'm calling you from Arizona. Oh, okay. Great. Okay. I, I noticed yesterday on Citizen Free Press the cracking was brought up again. Oh, God. Your article <laughs> came back up exposing uh, her. Oh, yeah. Is that the Washington Post article? Yes. Uh, yeah, but it was reprinted uh, by the Daily Dot. Okay, because I was a, an I'm anonymous still source. I'm trying to figure in that, that article. all out. Yeah, I was an anonymous. I was interviewed by John Swain, who wrote that the original piece. Yeah, and he writes I for the think Guardian. He may have been the byline for it. Okay, yeah. I mean that that uh, I have a dossier on the Kraken a mile long. Uh, I love it too. Yeah, I mean Drifter. it's it's unbelievable. So yeah, but I did. I wanted to call and let you know that we are working very hard here in Arizona. On election integrity. Yeah, you have to. You know, I, I had an exchange with Carrie Lake. She was really sweet to uh, respond to me. Yeah, I saw her. I went to that, that, I went to her event last week. Yeah. For the Senate. Oh, the, I mean, I don't know how, the, I just don't understand why it is that the courts aren't concerned about the fraud. You know, it should be the other way around. They should be real sticklers on rules. But these rules, like the signature verification threshold and things like that, the, the machines being broken, I mean, all of these things should be 
taken more seriously. Well, well, they essentially contracted out our elections. We went from the churches into this MTech down in Phoenix. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It is just, it's weighty. It's fraud in weight. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's awful, but we are making, you know, we've got that writ, which is your authority. Yeah. When you write something like that, it, it's give, it's granted by God and no one else. Right. That well, is your authority. You don't have that right. Yeah. Elections are run by the people, yeah. not the state and Zuckerberg and Runbeck and Dominion. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for calling in today. What's your name? Yeah. Uh, I'm Pamela Johnson. Okay. Yeah. You've called in. It's been a while since you've called in, but you've called in. Yeah. Well, it's been a couple of years since you've called. Yeah. uh, Last time I spoke to you, I sent you a lottery ticket, a winning lottery ticket out of Virginia. Oh, when I went to the 4th of July. All right. right, Thank you. Thank you for calling. All right. Take care. (laughs) Yeah. I do remember. I do remember that. Um, Wow. That's great. All right, I got a couple of quick little things. Um, it says here, I said, essentially it boils down to this. Globalists will only interfere in Biden versus Trump or DeSantis versus RFK Jr. They will not interfere in Trump v. RFK Jr. or DeSantis v. Biden. Reason? Disparity of outcomes. DeSantis and Biden are both globalists. Trump and RFK are both anti-globalists. So if you have... Two positives or two negatives, there's going to be no interference because there's going to be no change in the outcome. But if you're going to have a positive negative, regardless, you know, whichever one, uh, then what you're going to have is you're going to have um, an interest in the outcome because the outcome would be uh, would matter. And um, and so that was in response to DeSantis basically making the argument that if he were to be the nominee, there would be less uh, a, a less election rigging. For some reason, they made this claim. And I actually kind of agree with it. Um, because, you know, you got a globalist going against a globalist. Yeah, they would be like, yeah, we, we don't care. Either one's going to be good for us. It's sort of like, um, you know, McCain versus Obama. You know, they didn't care, really. So anyway, you know, it's just uh, Bush versus Gore, Bush versus, you know, uh, Kerry, right? They're all globalists, right? They're all, it's like, didn't matter who won. Clinton versus Bush. It didn't matter who won. They were all globalists. They were all working for the same team. But RFK Jr. or Trump, they're not working for the globalists. And that's why you have election ringing. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Be sure to go to magapack.org. Make a donation if you can to keep Scott Adams Show commercial-free. Use Red State over at mypillow.com, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody.